0: This is Dr. Samantha Shapiro, Executive Editor of Harrison's Principles of Internal Medicine. Harrison's Podclass is brought to you by McGraw-Hills Access Medicine, the online medical resource that delivers the latest trusted content from the best minds in medicine. And now, on to the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Harrison's Podcast. We're your co-hosts. I'm Dr. Kathy Handy.
1: And I'm Dr. Charlie Weiner, and we're joining you from the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Welcome to episode 118, a 24-year-old with facial weakness. Kathy, today we're talking about a 24-year-old graduate student with no past medical history. He presents today with an abrupt left-sided facial weakness and difficulty closing his left eye. He says that he went to sleep last night after working in the library, denies any fever, chills, or night sweats, He did notice a mild pain behind his left ear yesterday, but he was thinking he had a bug bite or something. He goes to school in Florida and does not spend much time outside. He uses alcohol and legal cannabis sparingly. He's sexually active with a number of female partners and usually does not use any barrier methods of contraception. He does not use illicit drugs or cigarettes, and he takes no medications. On examination, he has a left facial droop, an asymmetric smile, and diminished forehead creases. When asked to close his eyes, his right eye is normal, but his left eye remains 30% open.
0: This sounds like acute Bell's palsy. I'm listening. Tell me more. Okay. Remember the seventh cranial nerve innervates the face. Bell's palsy is the most common cause of facial paralysis and involves a unilateral facial nerve palsy. The onset of Bell's palsy is fairly abrupt, with maximal weakness typically being attained by about the 48-hour mark. Pain behind the ear may precede the paralysis for a day or two, which is, it sounds like what happened in our patient, and taste sensation may be lost unilaterally, and hyperacusis may also be
1: present. Do we need more testing, or can we just call this Bell's?
0: The diagnosis can usually be made clinically in patients who have um, the typical presentation, no risk factors or preexisting symptoms for other causes of facial paralysis, an absence of any cutaneous lesions of herpes zoster in the external ear canal, and a normal neurologic examination with the exception of the facial nerve. Approximately 80% of patients will recover within a few weeks or months. And this sounds like a typical case.
1: Okay. Well, the question is asking... Which of the following pathologic entities is the most common cause of his findings? So it's getting at the underlying cause of his Bell's palsy. The options are A, a cerebral neoplasm, B, herpes simplex type 1, C, Lyme disease, D, trauma, or E, varicella zoster virus.
0: The best answer is B, HSV1, but varicella zoster is also a good answer. Um, In acute Bell's palsy, there's inflammation of the facial nerve with mononuclear cells consistent with an infectious or immune cause. HSV type 1 DNA has frequently been detected in endoneural fluid and posterior auricular muscle, suggesting that a reactivation of this virus in the geniculate ganglion may be responsible for most cases. Reactivation of VZV is also associated with Bell's palsy in up to one-third of cases and may represent the second most frequent cause. And there are a variety of other viruses that have also been implicated less commonly.
1: What about the other options?
0: Yeah, the differential of acute facial palsy is broad, although this seems like a classic case of Bell's. Lyme disease can cause unilateral or bilateral facial palsies. And in endemic areas, over 10% of cases of facial palsy are likely due to um, Lyme disease. Facial palsy that is often bilateral occurs in sarcoidosis and in Guillain-Barre syndrome. Leprosy frequently involves the facial nerve, and facial neuropathy may also occur in diabetes, connective tissue diseases, including Sjogren's and amyloidosis. Beyond that, depending on the patient and the rest of the history, you should think about things like cerebral infarcts or demyelinating lesions in MS and even pontine tumors. The question mentioned cerebral neoplasm, so I'll just highlight that acoustic neuromas frequently do involve the facial nerve by local compression.
1: Okay, well, this is a two-part question, so let's keep moving on. The next question asks, which of the following is the next most reasonable therapeutic step? A, focus muscle electrical stimulation, B, IV immunoglobulin infusion, C, L-dopa therapy, D, prednisone, or E, cyclovir.
0: Usually in an uncomplicated case, you can advise symptomatic measures such as um, like using paper tape to depress the upper eyelid during sleep and uh, just to prevent corneal drying, or you can suggest artificial tears or massage of the weakened muscles.
1: Yeah, but those were not choices I gave you, Kathy. All
0: right, fair enough. So of the answer choices, um, the best one to go with would be D, which is a short course of prednisone. So as I mentioned before, acute Bell's palsy, there's inflammation of the facial nerve with mononuclear cells. So um, a course of glucocorticoids given as prednisone, 60 to 80 milligrams daily during the first five days, and then tapered usually over the next five days modestly shortens the recovery period and improves the functional outcome. Although large and well-controlled randomized trials found no added benefit of the antiviral agents, valcyclovir or acyclovir, compared with glucocorticoids alone, some earlier data suggests a combination therapy with prednisone plus valacyclovir might be marginally better than prednisone alone, especially in patients who have severe clinical presentations. For patients with permanent paralysis from Bell's palsy, a number of cosmetic surgical procedures have been used to restore a relatively symmetric appearance to the face, but the best answer choice listed is prednisone.
1: Okay, so today's teaching points are that Bell's palsy manifests as an acute facial paralysis due to inflammation of the facial nerve. It likely represents reactivation of virus such as HSV or VZV, although you have to think of Lyme disease in endemic areas. No other workup is necessary in typical cases, and treatment is symptomatic with the consideration of a short course of prednisone, which may hasten recovery.
0: And you can read more about this in the Harrison's chapter on cranial nerve palsies. Thanks for listening to Harrison's Podcast. Class. You can listen to this episode and more on accessmedicine.com, which includes the complete Harrison's Principles of Internal Medicine text, Harrison's review questions, which complement and expand upon the questions in this episode, and much more. Accessmedicine.com may already be available to you via your academic institution. Check it out.